Well, good morning. As we get started this morning, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and Father, we thank you for all the ways that you bless us. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your creation. Father, we look at the mountains and the snow on them, and Father, we are just in awe of this world that you have created. And Father, we thank you for allowing us to take pleasure in that. Father, we thank you for this day, for all of the things that are going to happen here at Netherwood Park. And we just pray, Father, that this will be a day that will draw us closer together, but more importantly, draw us closer to you. Father, we know that we will have visitors among us this evening, and we just pray, Father, that we will let our lights shine so that they may come to know you and come to know your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, it's hard for me to believe that we are in the middle of December, and the year 2014 is rapidly winding down. After this Sunday, there are just two more Sundays in this year. Next Sunday, David will be preaching to us. He'll be focused on Jesus Christ, which is an appropriate thing, obviously, to be focused on here at the end of December, and it's an appropriate thing to focus on at all times. The week after that, I'll introduce our theme for 2015, and I'll tell you why we think that this particular theme is really an important theme for Netherwood Park in the coming year. And even though I'm kind of looking forward to 2015, I'm not quite ready to let 2014 go. I'm not quite ready to let our theme of 2014 uh, go by the wayside. So I want to spend our time together today reviewing the 2014 theme and reinforcing why this theme has been important to us over the last 12 months here at Netherwood Park and also why our theme for 2014 is a theme that should remain important to all of us as we move into the years ahead. So let's begin this morning for the very last time, I promise. This is the last time that I'll do that, by saying our 2014 theme together. Now, I have high hopes for you guys this morning because David's already primed us. He told us what the theme is. It's at the top of your bulletin. And it's now on the screen behind me, so there are no excuses. We should all be able to recite this together. Our theme for 2014 has been that all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. That all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. This year's theme was taken from Jesus' words to his disciples. They're recorded in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, where Jesus said, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And this theme was chosen because we recognize that we, we collectively, were struggling with living lives of service that mirrored Jesus' life of service. We also recognize that we were struggling with living that type of life at all times and in all places and in every circumstance. And we also saw that we, collectively, we were finding it difficult to fight against our tendency to compartmentalize our lives, put our lives in different compartments, and only allow Jesus to be Lord and Master of certain parts of our lives. And we know that's not who we are called to be. And that isn't who we want to be. We don't want to be people who just pay lip service to being disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to live lives of service to Jesus Christ. 
We're to live life spent serving Jesus by lovingly serving each other. And we want to do that so there will never be any doubt about who we are. Nor will there ever be any doubt about the identity of our Lord and Master. The Lord and Master of our lives, Jesus Christ. So over the past year, we've used many different images and we've introduced many different concepts to help us understand and and recognize and really grasp what all times and all places and all situations discipleship looks like. And this morning, we'll resurrect several of those images and concepts. And in the rest of our time together, we'll also organize our thoughts around a couple of different questions, a couple of very important questions related to this year's theme. The first question deals with the how. We'll want to answer the question, how do all people, the universal they, how do they know that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ? To put it another way, how will others be able to recognize us as Jesus' disciples? Then the second question, which we will explore in much briefer way than the first question, is this. And it has to do with the why. Why is it important that all people that they know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. To put it another way, why does it matter that others are able to recognize that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? So let's turn our attention to the how. How do people know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? And my first answer to that is, they know because we are a peculiar people. A peculiar people. That phrase may sound uh, somewhat familiar to some of you. It's a phrase that stuck in my mind for close to 50 years because that's the way that 1 Peter 2.9 read in the old King James Version. I'll read it for you now. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I have to tell you, over those 50 years that that phrase has stuck in my mind, that really was never a very appealing image for me. Because I don't know about you, but when I heard the word peculiar, what I really heard was the word weird, or maybe the word odd. I think I kind of heard it this way. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a weird people. That wasn't very attractive to me. Or maybe you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and odd people. So I had a mental image that God was calling for his followers to stand out from the crowd in a very glaring and very weird way. Maybe kind of like this poor woman. They told her she was a fashion model and they put big lips on her head and multiple eyes. That's kind of the image I had that maybe that's what Peter was saying we were supposed to be like. People who stood out in a very bizarre and weird way. And I think that maybe that's the mental image that many of us have when we think about making sure that everyone can tell that we are Christ followers. Maybe something like this. How does everyone know I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, they know because I'm so peculiar. They know because I'm so weird. They know because I'm so odd. And I think for most of us, the response to that is, well, awesome, sign me up for some of that. I I don't think that that's what we're looking for. And that's okay because that really doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? 
In fact, I think it would be peculiar, and I think it would be weird, and I would think it would be odd for followers of Jesus to be called to be something that Jesus himself was not. Because Jesus wasn't any of those things. Jesus wasn't peculiar. He wasn't weird. He wasn't odd. But Jesus was different. And Jesus was distinctive. And fortunately for us, our more modern Bible translations do probably a better job of capturing what Peter intended for us to understand about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. The New International Version reads this way. It says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Not a peculiar people, but God's special possession. The New King James Version says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're his special people. The New American Standard Version says that you are a people for God's own possession. What Peter is telling us is that we're called to be like our master, Jesus Christ. We're to be distinctive. We're to be different. He's not calling on us to be weird or odd. And what's interesting is that our distinctiveness is a result of possession. We're distinctive because we belong to God. We're distinctive because we belong to God alone. We're different because we serve Jesus. We're different because we serve Jesus and only Jesus. We also need to understand something else. When we choose to serve a first century Jewish carpenter whose life ended on a criminal's cross, that may not place giant lips on our heads, but it will make us distinctively different. Sometimes it will make us uncomfortably different. It'll make us uncomfortable because the gospel we profess and the gospel that we live by, the gospel that says that Jesus was miraculously conceived, the gospel that says that Jesus lived and then willingly walked to the cross to die as a sacrifice for our sins, the gospel that says that Jesus was buried in a tomb, the gospel that says that he did not stay in a tomb, but he rose again, he defeated death. The gospel that says that Jesus lives even now. The gospel that says that Jesus is the way and the only way to eternal life. That gospel. That gospel will offend. It will repel. It will push some people away. It will put some people off, those who choose not to believe it, those who choose not to follow it. To use Paul's language... The gospel will be viewed as foolishness by many people. It will be viewed as silly, ridiculous, even stupid to many people. And we need to understand that as a result, those of us who distinctly live according to that gospel will also be sometimes viewed as foolish, silly, ridiculous, even sometimes as stupid And we won't be viewed that because we seek to be offensive, but because the gospel we follow will offend many of those who choose not to believe it. But the good news is others will look at our distinctive and different lives, and they will recognize that being distinctive like Jesus was distinctive is exactly what they need. 
Others will look at our lives and they will recognize that being different like Jesus was different is exactly what they crave. And that's where our focus must be. On showing Jesus to the world so that some will come to Jesus and some will be saved by Jesus. So what does different and distinctive look like? Well, I say it looks dusty. But not just any dust. We need to recognize that everyone is covered in dust because everyone is walking down a path. And everyone who walks down a path will be covered in the dust from that path. So if we follow the world's path, we'll be coated in the world's dust. It will be all over us. As was read by Anthony, it's the dust of sexual immorality. It's the dust of impurity and lust, evil desires. It's the, lust of greed. It's the dust of greed and idolatry and anger. It's the dust of rage and malice, slander and filthy language. It's the dust of lying. But we're called to be covered with a different dust. The dust that comes from following Jesus down a different and a distinctive path. And if we'll follow Jesus down that different and distinctive path, we'll be coated with a different and distinctive dust. The dust of compassion, kindness, the dust of humility and gentleness, the dust of patience, forgiveness, the dust of love and unity and peace and thankfulness. So people will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, not because we're dusty, but because our dust is different and our dust is distinctive. And it gets that way because we follow Jesus and we follow in his path. What does different and distinctive look like? It looks like servants with dirty towels. John, in the 13th chapter of his gospel, records an event that occurred as Jesus prepared to eat dinner with his disciples. John says that Jesus proceeded to show them the full extent of his love. And he did that when he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And he dried them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And in verse 12, we read, When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You see, Jesus calls us to live lives of loving service to each other. We're different. And we're distinctive because we carry servant towels that are soiled with the dirt from other people's feet. We're different and we're distinctive because we love each other enough to do for each other what Jesus has done for us. And what Jesus has done for us, he's washed away the dust that comes when we walk in the ways of the world. So as different and distinctive people, we help each other remain different and distinctive And we have the dirty towels to prove it. 
So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ, not because we have towels, but because we have servant towels that are different and distinctive. And they are different and distinctive because they are soiled with the dirt that we have helped remove from each other. What does different and distinctive look like? It looks new. Different and distinctive looks new. You know, people notice new, don't they? They notice new haircuts. Maybe that wasn't a good example for me. They notice new haircuts on other people. They notice new clothes. They notice if you have a new car. People notice new. New is different. New is distinctive. And new should describe us because we've put off our old selves and we've put on our new selves. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 22. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and true holiness. Jesus calls us to a new identity. A different and distinctive identity, a holy and righteous identity. We aren't who we were before Jesus. We've been changed, and people should be able to recognize that. People should be able to recognize that we are not the same people that we used to be. We should have some conversations like this with people. People should be saying to us, you aren't the same person that you used to be. And our response should be, you're right. I'm different because now I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And they will know because we aren't who we used to be. Our identities have changed to new and different and distinctive identities. Identities as disciples of Jesus Christ. What does different and distinctive look like? Well, it looks like someone who has brand new clothes and never wears anything else. And trust me, people will notice that as well. First, they'll notice that you have new clothes, but then they'll notice the fact that you don't ever wear anything else. You have new clothes and you don't wear anything else. Paul wrote this in Galatians 3.27. He said, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are different. We are distinctive. Because we have brand new clothes, and those clothes look just like Jesus, because we have been clothed with Jesus. And we are different and we are distinctive because we wear those same clothes at all times. We wear those same clothes in all places. We wear those same clothes in every circumstance. We are different. We are distinctive because we aren't constantly changing our costumes to fit the situation that we're in. Instead, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have chosen to be clothed with Jesus in every situation. So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ, not just because we have new clothes, 
But because those clothes are different and they're distinctive, and they're different and distinctive because they look just like Jesus Christ. And people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ because we never change out of those clothes. We're disciples of Jesus Christ in every circumstance. What does different and distinctive look like? Well, it looks different and it looks distinctive. Different and distinctive doesn't blend in. Different and distinctive doesn't seek to, to camouflage our new identities. It doesn't seek to camouflage our new clothes. Paul gave this instruction in Romans 12, too. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're called to be different and distinctive because our minds have a different focus. Our thoughts are on different things. Our priorities have shifted to what is truly important. As we read in Colossians, we are to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. In fact, Paul at one time went so far as to declare that we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, our minds will be focused on the same things that Jesus was focused on. Jesus was focused on God and his obedience to God. And Jesus was focused on others and serving others. Jesus didn't blend in, and we won't blend in either. We'll be different. We'll be distinctive because we love God with all of our hearts. We'll be different and distinctive because we love other people like we love ourselves. We'll be different and distinctive because our lives will reflect our loves. So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ because our minds and our lives are focused on loving and serving God and focused on loving and serving each other. And that's a different and distinctive focus because it's Jesus' focus. What does different and distinctive look like? It looks good. It looks good because it does good things for others. Like, other, like Jesus, we're to be good doers. Good doers. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, let, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Peter said it this way, Live such good lives among the pagans, among the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We're called to act in ways that bring praise and glory to our God. We're called to act in ways that bring praise and glory to our God, and people will only praise God for our good deeds if it's obvious to them that we belong to God. So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ when we leave no doubt that we serve others because we serve Jesus Christ. What does different and distinctive look like? It looks unified. It looks cohesive. See, we as a community of faith stand out because we choose we choose to be united. We choose to be united even when things 
are different among us. We choose to be united even when we disagree. We choose to be united even when our feelings have been hurt. We choose to be united, and that stands out because that just isn't normal. You probably all remember the description of the first church that we have in Acts chapter 2. We read this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Having everything in common is extremely uncommon. It's not normal. It's different. It's distinctive. And we're called to live that way. And we're called to live that way because we have Jesus Christ in common. We have common dust. We have common dirt on our towels. We have a common identity. We have common clothes. And we have a common focus. We have Jesus Christ in common, and that's the only thing that makes it possible for us to have everything in common. So people will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ because he and he alone has the power to unite us when it seems that unity would simply be impossible. What does different and distinctive look like? It looks like Jesus It looks like the one we call Lord. It looks like the one we call Master. It looks like Jesus. A life of difference and a life of distinction is a life lived like Jesus. Listen to what John said about Jesus in his gospel. In the very first chapter in the 14th verse, he said the word, he's talking about Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace, and Jesus was full of truth. And we're called to live our lives full of truth and full of grace. Jesus came to the earth with the truth that we were all destined to die in our sins. But he also came with the grace to rescue us from our sins. Jesus came to the earth with the truth that we could do nothing on our own to save ourselves. But he also came to the earth with the grace to act on our behalf so we could be saved through his power. And we are called to be Jesus' truth and Jesus' grace to the world around us. We're to be full of truth We need to let people know that they can't make it on their own. But we also need to be full of grace. We need to let them know that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ died for them as well. And we need to make sure that we bring both truth and grace to our world. See, there's a couple of dangers that we might run into here. If we insist on sharing the truth about people's lost condition but don't practice grace... We're going to drive our audience away. 
We're going to send people away. We won't be different and distinctive. We'll just be offensive if all we have is truth without Jesus' grace. But we also need to be sure that we don't leave the truth behind. Many people around us are lost. And when we practice Jesus' grace but we don't share Jesus' truth, then we've lost our message We have lost the good news of Jesus Christ. So we need to make sure that we're full of truth and full of grace. So people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And they will know because we are full of truth and also full of grace. And we live in a world desperately in need of the truth and desperately in need of grace. So as we close, it brings us to our second question. Our second question, why do people need to know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? And they need to know because Jesus has chosen us. Jesus has chosen us to bring him to a world that's desperately in need of him. Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they place it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Why do people need to know we are disciples? They need to know because Jesus and only Jesus can bring life in the midst of this dying and decaying world. And we are called to be Jesus' preserving salt in this decaying world. Why do people need to know we are disciples of Jesus Christ? They need to know because Jesus and only Jesus can bring light to our dark world. And we, we are called to be Jesus' illuminating light to this dark world. Why do people need to know that we are disciples? They need to know so the world will give glory to God. Glory to our God who is worthy of all glory and worthy of all honor. And we, we are called to live as disciples of Christ in such a way that it brings glory and honor to our God who deserves all glory and honor. Why do people need to know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? They need to know so more disciples of Jesus Christ will be made. Jesus calls on us. He calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. We're called to go into the world and make new disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're called to teach them to obey everything that our Lord and Master Jesus has commanded. That's our call. So I want to end, as we come to the end of this year, where our theme has been that all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. 
I want to end by saying, let's make certain that this year, 2014, has been the beginning of a renewed commitment on our part, on us collectively, a renewed commitment to living our lives so that all will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And let's do that so our world will receive Jesus' salt, so our world will receive Jesus' light, so our world will bring glory and honor to God, and so our world will yield more disciples of Jesus Christ. May God be glorified by our lives. And if you're here and you aren't yet a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you haven't yet been baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, if you haven't yet been fitted with your new clothes, if you haven't yet been given your new identity as a servant of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that we want nothing more than for you to take that step and make that commitment. But even more importantly, we want you to know that Jesus wants nothing more than for you to take that step and make that commitment. Once you listen to our call, but more importantly, listen to Jesus' call. We're going to stand up and we're going to sing a song. If you're ready to make that commitment and take that step, won't you let us know? While we're singing the song, you can walk to the front and let us know that you've made that decision. Or if you're more comfortable doing so, you can go to the back. You can ask for directions to room 104 and a couple of our elders are in there. And you can talk to them what it means about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ so all will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know while we stand up and we sing this song together.